Welcome to Prio's Peace in a Pod. My name is Indigo Trigg-Hauger, and I'm a communicator at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. My job here is to help researchers convey their work. Usually that means talking to the media, politicians, other stakeholders, and colleagues. With this podcast, that means talking to you. Some of you might remember episode four, when I interviewed Marta Bivan Erdal about an exciting new project she got funding for. During that same round of funding announcements, Henrikas Bartisevichus also received funding for a five-year project called Adapted to War. Henrikas will investigate whether humans have evolved psychological adaptations to war. To do that, he'll have to work across disciplines, conducting lab experiments and surveys. Henrikas has a background in political science with a PhD from Aarhus University and a master's in war and peace studies from Vilnius University. He's been an assistant professor at Aarhus University for the last few years. He was also a visiting researcher at the Center for the Study of Civil War at Prio in 2011, so we're excited to have him back. Henrika starts at Prio in January, but I wanted to get a sneak peek of what he was up to, so we talked about the project's goals as well as what has already been achieved in the field and why he got interested in this unusual topic to begin with. Welcome, Henrikas. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you because you're going to be joining us at Prio, uh, hopefully in person very soon, with your project Adapted to War, um, which was awarded an ERC starting grant. And we've already had a podcast episode with uh, Marta about her ERC starting grant, and we got really in-depth about her project, and now it's your turn. So I'm I'm really uh, excited to get to hear some more about this. This is a really I think, special and and unusual project. Um, So why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got interested in this specific project, because it involves political psychology. And at least at Prio, that's a pretty uh, unique standpoint. Yes, well, I was always interested in the overall question of uh, why armed conflicts happen. Um, For my PhD, which I started 10 years ago, I focused on economic inequalities, one potential cause of armed conflicts, uh, specifically civil conflict. But uh, the more I studied this topic, the more I became interested in the more kind of elemental question of what drives people themselves uh, to political violence. And at that time, um, somewhere around the end of my PhD, two things became very clear to me. First, that uh, understanding attitudes and behavior of individuals is very important in conflict research. Of course, we can't reduce the explanation of civil conflicts to individuals. We have to account for various uh, group-level processes, political institutions, and so on. But until we get individual-level factors right, I thought, uh, we'll have hard times understanding the more complex group or state-level phenomenon. Um, for example, in my own work on economic inequality, I would make various assumptions about the way people think and behave without really assessing that. For example, I assume that economic inequality generates some sort of uh, resentment among the disadvantaged people and that this motivates them to join protests uh, or rebellions to address the inequality. And actually, this was a central assumption in most uh, micro-level studies at that time. You know, mm-hmm. But but what if what if inequality doesn't bother people or doesn't really motivate people to join protests uh, or uh, rebellions. In such a scenario, my micro-level theorizing about how inequalities generate uh, civil conflicts would probably break down. And in fact, uh, there's evidence that people don't really care about inequalities as such. People care about injustices. Mm. 
So this was, this was one thing I understood that understanding, uh, you know, individual attitudes, motivations, etc., was very important in conflict research. And the second thing I understood was that we know very little about these individual level factors. So things are different now. But at that time, when I was finishing my PhD uh, some seven years ago, we only had a handful of uh, survey-based studies that tried to figure what drives people to violence. And because of this, I started looking into other disciplines, uh, mainly psychology. And what I found was uh, vast uh, literatures that I thought were uh, kind of directly relevant to what we study in conflict research. And at the same time, I also figured that there was very little communication between psychological work and conflict research, particularly the study of civil conflict. So I, I saw both a necessity and a huge potential in integrating these two literatures. So all the central questions uh, we study in conflict research could benefit from insights from psychology. You know, does poverty motivate political violence? How does repression affect people's attitudes and behavior? You know, do group-based inequalities motivate political violence? Essentially, these are questions about people's motivations and behavior. So we can't really avoid studying psychological processes here. And there's already a huge body of work based on surveys and experiments and other disciplines that we could uh, make use of. And uh, at the same time, I thought that conflict research within uh, political science could equally contribute to psychological research. For example, uh, psychologists pay less attention to what we often refer to as uh, opportunity factors. You know, for example, the, the military capacity of political actors involved in conflict and so on and so on. So basically, after finishing my PhD, I started integrating these two literatures. I applied for a couple of grants, uh, was lucky in uh, getting funding. And this funding allowed me to take uh, approximately one year off uh, teaching and research to get some training in uh, uh, psychology departments. Mm. And so over the last five years, I've been doing this individual level uh, study of political violence um, together with my colleagues, um, mainly Florian von Leeuwen, who's a psychologist based at Tilburg in the Netherlands, and Michael Bank-Peterson, who's a political scientist based at uh, Aarhus in Denmark. And now we have done quite a few surveys and survey experiments in many different countries in Europe, uh, Africa, Latin America, and started publishing this work, both in uh, political science, but also psychology journals. So uh, you ask how have humans have humans evolved psychological adaptations to war, um, and you point out that this has already generated major scientific debate amongst you name anthropologists, archaeologists, economists, primatologists, psychologists, political scientists. So it obviously spans a lot of different um, disciplines. So maybe can you talk a little bit about? Um, how you got interested in it and, and where you want to take this and what are the implications of your project? Yes. So, so, so this is largely a consequence of my research studies in psychology departments. So I was introduced into some theoretical perspectives and debates that I found interesting and which I could uh, clearly connect to my overall interest in human aggression and armed conflicts. 
And as you said, I figured that there was this one uh, huge debate uh, continuing for decades and involving people from uh, many different disciplines. And this debate focused on the nature of war. That is when and how war appeared in human history. Was it something we did for uh, millions of years? Or was it something, as uh, some people like to put it, a human invention, which appeared relatively recently? And here it's very important to explain what people consider uh, war in these debates. So within anthropology, there is a distinction between so-called simple war and complex war. Complex war is basically what we have today in modern uh, large-scale societies. And simple war is what we sometimes have among small-scale societies. For example, um, ethnographic societies in the Amazon. There, war takes the form of uh, surprise attacks or raids by small groups of people, usually several to several dozen individuals. So there are no open battles, uh, military commanders, etc. There are simply surprise attacks and retreats by small groups of people. So this big debate about when and how war appeared in human history focuses on these simple forms of uh, small-scale war. Now, we have evidence that simple war existed at least uh, 10,000 years ago. And this, of course, coincides with the Neolithic Revolution, that is, the emergence of agriculture, population growth, and, you know, all the social and political complexity. But there's a big debate whether people engaged in war before that, during the Pleistocene. Uh, the Pleistocene is a geological epoch that started some 2.6 million years ago and ended some 12,000 years ago. So this is, this is the period during which uh, the genus Homo evolved. That is the genus to which we humans uh, belong. So whatever happened during this period quite likely has left a mark on our uh, physiology and psychology. So this is, this is why the debate on whether there was war in the Pleistocene and perhaps earlier is so important. If war happened, if this simple war happened in the Pleistocene, and if it happened on a regular basis and had considerable impact on the Pleistocene humans, then it's probable that humans became adapted to war. What I mean here is that humans potentially evolved adaptations that made them good at navigating or dealing with the small-scale conflict or small-scale war. So, for example, if you unexpectedly, uh, you or your group unexpectedly runs into another hostile group, you must make a decision whether to fight or flee. And if you don't make this decision fast or make a wrong decision, there's a chance that you'll be injured or die. And so if this happened regularly over millions of years, our psychology, as a result, may be equipped with mechanisms that help making such, such decisions. For example, we may be equipped with a psychological adaptation that allows us to quickly and accurately assess the strength of, political, of, of potential opponents and then act accordingly, you know, uh, whether to run away or stand ground. All right, so... If this, if this is true, if we did engage in war, in the simple uh, war in our evolutionary past, and we do have psychological mechanisms or adaptations that help navigate small-scale war, 
then maybe these mechanisms still shape our thinking and behavior today. So this is, this is what I'm trying to get at uh, with this project. So essentially it has two parts. The first part is basic science. It simply aims to figure whether simple war was present in the human evolutionary past and whether, as a result, humans evolved adaptations to effectively deal with simple war. And the second part is more applied science. It tries to figure whether these adaptations, if they indeed exist, shape our attitudes and behavior today, especially in the context of uh, contemporary political violence. And um, to make everything more interesting, uh, I think it's 50-50 that these adaptations exist. This is based on my reading of, of these various literatures. And this is what I really like about this project. I'm perfectly fine if the project produces null results. So finding that these adaptations do not exist is as important as finding that they do exist. Because clearly we have the capacity for political violence. The key question is what psychological processes or psychological machinery underpins this capacity. And also this is what I really like about the ERC grants. The ERC seems to be fine betting on risky projects. So there's a high chance that I won't find evidence that these adaptations exist, which is fine. But if I find that they do exist, and if they continue to shape our thinking and behavior today, then this may be an important finding. So in your, uh, well, when you were talking earlier about kind of the, our, our distant past, or it feels very distant at least, um, <laughs> you, you say that, um, in your application, you say that archaeologists agree about the existence of war from 8,000 BC onward. So yeah. if you do find these, these markers um, that in, in, in your experiments, does that basically imply that there was war before that? Yeah, so you can make such an inference. So if, if you have a, a psychological adaptation uh, that uh, makes you good at navigating small-scale uh, coalitional aggression or, or war, hmm. then the question is why it exists. Um, so, 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 so people sometimes uh, go in a backward way uh, to say what potentially happened in, in this very distant past without actually going to, you know, digging uh, bones or uh, other artifacts. Mm. So, yes, you can make such an inference, but, but of course, uh, so the project will generate some evidence that will be consistent or not with the model. Um, to what extent that evidence uh, will be convincing and strong, uh, that's another question. <laughs> well, I guess at, at the very least, it will be um, very interesting for, for archaeologists, I would assume, then um, doing their research as well. Yes, because as, 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 we've, just, as we've just mentioned, so, so this discussion involves uh, people from many different disciplines. And so uh, it's not only archaeologists. It seems natural that, that this question of whether there was war or not in the, in the human evolutionary past uh, should be dealt with by archaeologists, right? So they, they should look for, for, for the evidence of that. And, and they do that. But you can also do some sort of archaeology of, of, of the mind and see whether 
there is evidence that uh, people have certain mechanisms that can only be explained if, uh, uh, if, for example, war happened uh, in the evolutionary past. Mm. You have a quote from Barack Obama's Nobel lecture from 2009 in your application, which I just want to read. He said, War, in one form or another, appeared with the first man. At the dawn of history, its morality was not questioned. It was simply a fact like drought or disease. And I love that you included that because obviously that's you're challenging that. Um, you're saying, you know, no, we need to find out and we, we want to know what the effects could possibly be on our on our present. But why do you think it is that there is this sort of, I think, widespread notion that people are just naturally violent. I mean, I, I think that that's sort of a, a assumption that a lot of people make and not that that is then correct, but what do you think it is that, that leads people to feel that way? Are we just predisposed to uh, pay attention to, to bad news and negative things or? Yeah. So I, I think that the overall notion that, that people are somehow naturally violent is uh, I think is to some extent misguided because so even, even if you have these, adaptations uh, that uh, make you effective at dealing with small-scale uh, conflict or even make you effective at, at, uh, at uh, engaging in small-scale conflict, that doesn't mean that these are some sort of hydraulic urges that have to be uh, periodically, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's the right word? Uh, um this child acted on or yeah so 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 yeah. these adaptations they 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 are sensitive to cues in the in the environment they they there are certain tendencies that uh, may be or may not be activated so you will be joining us uh physically at prio hopefully soon um what are your plans in terms of the next couple of years of your work and and how are you going to be um integrating that work with the prio research environment yeah, so uh, my main focus, of course, will be the year project, <laughs> which will run for five years. Um, but I also have some plans or hopes that uh, go beyond this particular project. Um, as we just talked, uh, we can clearly see a micro level trend in conflict research now with uh, more and more people uh, doing surveys and survey experiments addressing various questions related to political violence. Um, so some 10 years ago, we saw a disaggregation trend where people started focusing on conflicts in subnational regions or conflicts between particular groups rather than conflicts in countries as a whole. Uh, now I think we are experiencing uh, another uh, disaggregation trend, which goes further into uh, the micro level and focuses on individuals, uh, which is, which of course follows the overall trend in political science. And what I think is still missing in this uh, micro level trend is a clear uh, psychological perspective. As I mentioned, if we study people, people's motivations, attitudes, etc., we are dealing essentially with uh, psychological processes. And there are vast literatures on these processes in other disciplines that uh, we could make use of. So besides working on my ERC project, I hope to continue integrating these literatures. So in more concrete terms, I hope we can initiate some sort of a 
research environment or a small research group where we uh, routinely meet and present micro-level work or ideas for potential micro-level work uh, where we try to discuss how to design better service, how to design better experiments, etc. I know that quite a few people at Prio uh, do individual level studies. I also plan to attract psychologists or political psychologists into my uh, research team as uh, postdoctoral scholars. I also hope we'll find ways to collaborate with people from other de departments. I know there's a very strong group of uh, psychologists at the University of Oslo who have done some excellent work on political violence and other related topics. So I see a clear potential here for uh, collaborating with others, both with people who already do micro-level work, but also those who would like to complement their micro-level work with some micro-level perspectives. And this also means that I really look forward to uh, working with people in, at Prio and figuring how I could be useful at the Institute. Uh, so I'm sure I'll uh, learn a lot from being at Prio and Norwegian uh, research environment more general. And I hope I'll be able to uh, contribute to this uh, research environment too. Well, we're really excited to have you here and um, I'm sure you're going to fit right in. <laughs> Thanks for picking Prio's Peace in a Pod. This podcast is a production of the Peace Research Institute Oslo, Prio, located in Norway. For more information, visit prio.org. Editing, recording, and hosting by me, Indigo Trighauer. Music by Martin Renum.